Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. This is the second part to the conversation that we had from last time. Please listen to this and uh, let us know if you have any questions. Please email us at the Truth Talks podcast at gmail.com, or you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 612 88 Truth. Thank you for listening, and here's the second part of the conversation from last time. This is Truth Talks. What I do like about our elders is everything is slow. It's not a quick response of like, well, this is how we feel. It's a very, uh, I think the best word is deliberate. You know, it's 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 very, you know, okay, let's let's go through and let's make sure that this is doing, you know, going to be done well. You know who taught us that? Who's that? The Lord. Okay. God never does anything quick. Even when he went into the uh, the temple and turned over the tables, yep. he he made a whip first. He did. You he, know, he knew what he was doing all along, yeah. right? And I mean, that's you know, he leaves Israel in bondage for four hundred thirty years. That's a slow response, mm-hmm. right? He's he's methodical. He knows what he's doing. He takes his time, and I think there's, you know, there's a time to act quick. Mm-hmm. There is, and a, and a leader must be prepared to do that. But that is few and far between. Mm-hmm. Most leaders act too quick, and they create problems. Yeah. That's how you hurt people. That's how you kill people. That's uh, how you hurt yourself. And most leaders just need to be patient, methodical, and be wise. And then when you make a decision, you make the right one, mm-hmm. right? And you move forward, like you said, deliberately with conviction, not consensus, mm-hmm. but with conviction that's based on Scripture. So Yeah. Well, the part that I had uh, just questions on, it's actually uh, culture, and mm-hmm. this is uh, part 13, mm-hmm. X with three, that's 13, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. We affirm that some cultures operate on assumptions that are inherently better than those of other cultures because mm-hmm. of the biblical truths mm-hmm. that inform those worldviews that have produced these distinct assumptions. Those elements of a given culture that reflect divine revelation should be celebrated and promoted. Yes. But the various cultures out of which we have been called all have features that are worldly and sinful. Yes. And those, therefore, these sinful features should be repudiated for the honor of Christ. We affirm that we that whatever evil influences to which we have been subjected via our culture can be and must be overcome through conversion and the training of both mind and heart through biblical truth. Now, to be honest with you, I read this a year ago. And now that I read this again specifically, yeah. it it has a different tone for me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a tone of we are better than you. Yeah. It has a tone of the scriptures are better than all of us. Yeah. But I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. I remember re- I've read that statement. I've read the statement multiple times and, and, and I remember the first time reading it. And the second time that was number 13 stood out to me mm-hmm. and it stood out to me um, for multiple reasons. And, uh, and it stood out to you. And I think because it is, and I'll tell you why, at least for my circle, because I know I've had many discussions with theologians and pastors where this reality of culture has come up and it's a confusing it's a confusing issue in the church, especially among leaders on uh, missions and evangelism and this reality of, of uh, redeeming culture or impacting culture and saving culture. I mean I've had many conversations with different missionaries that talk about, 
how we should not mess with the culture. The culture is beautiful. Let them have their culture. And it's just like, right. so, so it is, it is a controversial uh, issue more than most people realize. And yet it's a pivotal one. If you understand uh, the doctrine of man, doctrine of sin and the doctrine of salvation correctly, then it helps you understand what's being said. And, and I would agree wholeheartedly with what is being said there, that there are cultures that are, that are better in the sense of, I think the, maybe the better word would have been more biblical, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they, which is what it said, they line themselves up with Scripture better, mm-hmm. but not perfectly, as the, as the statement said. You know, like our culture would clearly, our culture would have uh, uh, aspects to it that are far more in line with Scripture than uh, African culture mm-hmm. on many levels. Mm-hmm. Con, Con, Conrad uh, Mubewe did a really good article not too long ago uh, that I read where he, of course, he's an African pastor and, and an, an African uh, theologian and you know, that's his world, so he can speak with a greater sense of authority than I can. But having been there multiple times, I've experienced African culture, and so at least I can speak where of, of knowledge that I've seen. And he was talking about the issue that they deal with in Africa all the time is this issue of African culture and preserving African culture and idolizing African culture. And even the idea, and I thought the article was so good because he talked about this whole idea of African Christians and how he can't stand that. Mm-hmm. You're either a Christian or you're not, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't mind you saying I'm a Christian who's African, right? Because, you know, that's an ethnicity, that's a, geograph- a geographical region that that is good in the sense of it's true. It's, it's an identity marker. But he said, when you start calling yourself an African Christian, something's wrong. Right. He said, you're a Christian who happens to be African. Right. Hmm. And uh, and and I love and this is coming from a guy. So he went on and said they're seeing now issues with the African church in that because so many of the churches were planted 20 years ago or even 10 years ago and are now transitioning to actual national African pastors. They're starting to see some of these churches revert back to an African culture to where maybe the American pastors taught them hymns, taught them, you know, uh, some modern uh, style of hymnody, like the Gettys or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. singing a solid sound doctrine with order, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and again, I'm not saying this, the African pastor, Conrad Mubewe himself said it, but he says, African churches are not marked by order. They're dancing around, they're, they're chanting, they're mm-hmm. spinning in circles. And he, said, and he said, what is common in the African culture in the church is to say the same phrase in a song over and over and over again. He said, how is that edifying? Mm. How is that, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, do everything decently and in an order? So he said, what they're starting to see is, as the Americans have brought a more ordered worship, which is biblical in the sense of 1 Corinthians 14, 40, very clearly lining that out. And there's clearly room for stylistic changes there. Yet the idea of chanting uh, things over and over and over again and dancing down the aisles, that, that's, the, that's the definition of disorder, hmm. right? And so he went on and said they're watching so many of these churches revert back to this, to this disorderly worship for the sake of saying that's our culture. 
And his point is like, I don't care whose culture it is. I don't want that. I want order. I want worship that is God-honoring. And so it goes back to this, and I think that's an example where you can see where there are aspects to culture that we just need to realize and say, yeah, no, that's we're not going to have we We need to be done with that. So we can't change the culture, but we can change the culture of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, so... You know what's crazy is that all that you just said just now, you can replace it and put that in America. Oh, of course. Black Christian. Of course. And that is part of my like my struggle. Not struggle meaning like I struggle am I black Christian or not. No. I I am definitely Christian before I'm anything else. Amen. But it's it's the black Christian or the black church that has been pretty much saying, no, this is what we do. You yeah, know, this uh, is and, who we are. Yeah. And they have even to the point where um, I've seen a lot of people that I've known for years when they talk about the old hymns of the church. They are not hymns that were written biblically sound. Yeah. You know, it's you know. <laughs> I can think I'm literally thinking in my head of songs and I don't even know if I even want to say them out loud on the podcast that, yeah, that's an old hymn of the church. And like that song is horrible. That <laughs> that song is not at all biblical. Exactly. Like you cannot pull out a scripture in its right context and say that that is a song that is that, that is not a hymn. That's just a song that was repeated over and over again yeah. throughout that culture. Yeah. And that is, it's just, you, you just sang that song. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, you know, I can get, I can get with the fact that it's an old song. Like one song that I really, really love that we sang a lot when I was coming up was uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I no, I don't even think that that's the correct title, but yeah. that song I've I've heard it sung so many different ways, yeah. and but it's like the 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 words of the song is what you're looking at, you yep. know. The, it, is it doctrinal? Like you can sing you can sing a Getty song in a different you know style, of course. But the 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 lyrics is what is there, and I yeah. remember hearing uh, Pastor J Mac say one time that you know it's like the if if those hymns were bad, then out of the time of church history, they would have just been wiped out because the theology was bad. And I was like, yep, that's really true. But these songs have stayed there. The the ones that I'm talking about from the black church, they have stayed there, not because they were sound theologically. They just stayed there because it was their tradition. tradition. That's it. And it's like what you're saying about this. Preaching on that next week. That's good. That's good. Mark 7. Yeah. I want to elevate the traditions of man over the. And, and and to me, you know, it, as I read about the culture, you know, um, and that's it's like a buzzword in the church now. It it's is. like it's like you say it. It's like a, we're we're you know, we want to impact the culture. We want to do this about the yep, culture. And totally. it's like what culture, yeah. which culture. And and now that I read through it now, excuse me, at, at a at a different place in my life, you know, sitting under good preaching, it's like, ah. Now it's like a light bulb just, yeah. you know, just goes off because it's like, okay, it's not necessarily about the culture of man. No. It's about the culture of, of, of the church. And yeah. then the, uh, the, 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 the we deny part at the bottom of that, yeah. we deny that individuals and subgroups in any culture are unable by God's grace to rise above whatever moral defects 
or spiritual deficiencies have been engendered or encouraged by their respective cultures. Yep. So, in other words, the black church can overcome its blackness by just being the church. Yeah. Is that is that is that accurate? Yeah, it can't. Yeah. It can't. That's that's we deny that that can happen. Oh, you're saying it, it yeah. can't happen? No, it it can't. It can't. It can't rise to the level of of biblical accuracy and fidelity apart from the gospel. Okay. Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. I'm just saying it. What I what I my brain was saying it can go that way if they were to go back and oh totally follow the scriptures oh, yeah. correctly absolutely they can reform destruction they they're, can reform yeah. absolutely in the gospel all all cultures will be reformed and mm-hmm. can be reformed and history has shown it have been reformed mm-hmm. right I mean you take and we can we can we can spin this in twelve different directions culturally but you can go to the uh, Alka Indians in in you know Ecuador when Jim Elliot and and those men went in there right and they were savages right I mean they killed them killed mm-hmm. the missionaries and then Elizabeth Elliot stays and look at what has happened now to those to those Indians there in Ecuador and and how that whole culture has changed right mm-hmm. and they're not walking around like naked savages spearing one another and beating one another and molesting one another and all these things that was part of their culture mm-hmm. and that many even within the church would say no we leave their culture alone no no you don't mm-hmm. right you don't go in to change the culture you go in to change the heart mm-hmm. that's what god does through the gospel and that will change the culture and you let it change you mm-hmm. want it to change mm-hmm. not to become white or become european or american you want it to become godly god honoring mm-hmm. it's not god honoring for a woman or a man to walk around naked mm-hmm. right the bible's clear about that mm-hmm. right and so there's nothing good in a culture when people walk around naked mm-hmm. I mean that's just a that's just a crystal clear and yet how many cultures have that mm-hmm. right well the gospel will change that mm-hmm. the gospel will will bring a desire for purity and a desire for humility and all these things and mm-hmm. a desire to protect one another right mm-hmm. and so I mean you so anyway you, but, the gospel does that yeah I get that and and what I also am as you're talking I'm thinking about this fact that it's definitely a when the culture is is so prominent it actually affects their theology in this way so i look at and i have this is my i'm speaking of like what i have been through in my experience because yeah. i grew up this little black kid in the black church that like their traditions the traditions of the quote unquote black church completely affected our theology course my theology was so bad when i came to bellcroft i mean before bellcroft i was being challenged on it and i was listening to these different pastors and you know everything like that when y'all hear this this is not a beer i just want y'all to know that we aren't like drinking beer that was that was a we 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 drink excessively we drink sparkling (laughs) waters like we had that we we like it's a it's it's our problem. <laughs> yeah, that that is. If anything, we drink like I'll drink two before I go to bed. It's so bad. I have a big thing of water sitting next to me, but yeah, I just wanted. I was thinking, sitting there thinking, like they're probably gonna think he's cracking a beer. Uh, anybody knows me knows better than that. Yeah. So, all right, getting back to what I was saying. So that culture and the 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 repetitive, you know, the uh, in, in a way the the tra- traditions that have been passed down over and over again 
it it really affected theology. Here's here's an example, and uh, so there's a there's this play that I was actually involved in when I was in my teens, and uh, I'm gonna name it just so people can understand it. Because if you were in if you were in Prince George's County <laughs> at that time and connected with the Black Church at all, you would know what I'm talking about. So this is the name of the play. The name of the play, and I and I was a musician. I actually did a little bit of uh, production work in it. The name of the play was Why Black Men Don't Serve God. Now, there was a scene in this play which was very telling. And, you know, at that time, I mean, he, the the, the producer, uh, he really went through, and, and the writer, he really went through and kind of did some things to kind of show, uh, quote unquote, why black men don't serve God. And one of the things that he showed was it was this uh, the scene where it was a bunch of like slaves, right? Slaves in like there, and and this guy gets up and he holds a Bible, and this is what he says. He he opens it up and he looks at everybody and he's like, "Shh, shh. God is with us." And then you hear somebody, one of the actors, say. What are you doing? You can't even read. And like, shh. And then he just starts, you got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. You know, we are in this and we're going to get through this. And he just starts, just goes preaching. And then everybody freezes. And then the writer, who was the, the guy that's running the whole thing, he comes out and is basically narrating it and says, you know, this is how it was like they didn't even they weren't even able to read as slaves but a lot of the things that they even said were just sayings yeah and it was just passed on and that is exactly the 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 issue is that i will have a conversation with someone who is the same melanin color as me that went to the same type of church that i did and they don't have any biblical basis on what they would say to me. Yeah. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Here's what the scripture says. And even then it's like, well, wait, where'd you hear that? I'm like, it's not about where I heard it. Yeah. It's not about. And why would I go there? Yeah. Like this is literally yeah. what the scripture says. Like I get it. I understand. You think that it's okay to have. And I don't know how many times in my life there have been these you know th- these women preachers or women pastors of like and and in this area there's a whole lot of them yep but if you go to the scripture just look at what the scripture says pretty clear but regardless of what the scripture says a lot of times they are because their culture has been so influenced you know what the culture has been passed down it influences their theology totally and for me it's, it's the grid Say it again. It's the grid by which they interpret theology through culture. Yeah, which in, in the in the um, social justice movement with standpoint and epistemology, where it goes back to your uh, life experience, right? Yeah, is the trump card, mm-hmm. right? So I can't understand or critique you because I haven't lived the life of a black man, so mm-hmm. I have no right to. You know, so forget the word of God, the absolute truth that is universal, timeless, always applicable to every culture, every person, every individual. Forget that, because unless I know your 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 experience, which is the foundation for your truth, then I have nothing to say. And that's that's it. I mean, that's so this issue has been going for a long time where culture is actually trumps the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. The Bible comes in later. 
as long as the Bible doesn't mess with our culture, as long as the Bible doesn't mess with our ethnicity by way of our our style of living and all of that, then we're fine with it. And yeah, no, that's a that's a major issue. All I mean across the the, the globe, not just in in uh, your culture, my culture, everybody's culture. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the beauty of the gospel. It it breaks all those walls down. Mm-hmm. Ephesians two, right? Verse starting in verse eleven, right? All of that is done away. The Greek and Gentile become or the Gentile and the Jew become one, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those are two contradictory cultures, right? Yeah. And how does that happen? Because their cultures don't go away. Culture is a, a is has many good things and we'll even have some of that in heaven. But it it's it's it totally redefines it mm-hmm. and reforms it because yeah. of the gospel. And part of that reformation is it takes a back seat, right? It it's no longer, here's the key word, idolized. Hmm. It's no longer worshiped. It's no longer understood as your identity factor. Mm-hmm. Christ becomes your identity factor and all those things. Did you hear Akini's testimony last week mm-hmm. where she kept saying, my identity was in this, mm-hmm. my identity was in this. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought, well, how timely is this testimony, yeah. right? Coming from a, a girl from Africa, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and it was amazing. And then she becomes a believer here recently and she says, my identity's in Christ. And, and, and it's not that she doesn't identify with those things anymore. They're just no longer the foundation of who she is. Mm-hmm. And that's how that begins to reform. You begin to hold it loosely instead of tightly. And uh, that's, yeah, so that's what that statement is is pointing to. And you're exactly right, talking about the traditions. And, and again, that's not just in your culture, that's in all cultures. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the issues in the, in, the, in the black church has been black liberation theology, which, again, isn't, isn't out of Scripture. James Cone and and all of his disasters that uh, just permeated the 60s and the 70s that continue today, which is really a backbone of the social justice movement with the victimhood. And uh, he just capitalized and in many ways uh, systematized that whole reality, and it still continues today. And it's so sad because it is it is a plight on the uh on that culture and uh, so sad well, so sad what is even uh worse i guess is the uh he he didn't make a whole lot of money off of that book mm-hmm. but uh i don't even know the girl's the lady's name i can't think of her name but uh the white fragility book oh robin d'angelo yeah, she has made a ton of money yeah. off of that book oh yeah and it's literally <laughs> you know it's so it's funny the recirculation of of black liberation theology yeah. spoken by a white woman. Yeah. What's funny to me is <laughs> it's that... So, it's like, yeah. what? What? It's funny to me that people don't realize that there is a book out there saying that black people are less than white people. Yeah. And it's making a lot of money. Like, I know. It blows my mind that you have a book that's saying... And uh, I heard someone say it this way. It's like, you know, back in, you know, back in slavery time, it's like, I'm better than you. You know, it, yeah. and 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 this is what it is now with the white privilege debacle. Yeah. It's like I'm better than you, but I'm I'm sorry about it. Yeah, it's like it's the same thing. It's it, it, it's nonsense. It blows my mind that that's what is what is coming out of it. But the biggest thing that I have been able to just relax on is that scripture is true and it has not changed. The definition of uh, uh, of culture and well, race and you know uh, 
all these new terms that are coming out, white privilege and intersectionality. And, 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 and as I'm thinking about it, I probably need to do like a separate podcast where I just say, well, this is what these terms are, because there's some people that I say the term intersectionality that are listening and they probably don't know what that is. Particularly. Oh, I would say 98 percent. Yeah. But let me let me just warn you when you go to do that um, and and we can do that. But here's the problem with it. Here's here's and, and I run into this all the time. Mm hmm. And this is a big issue, and this will continue to be the issue, and this will continue to create problems because I think it's built into the system. Mm -hmm. All of those terms actually are not meant to be defined. Hmm. Those terms are actually, they have built into them a designed ambiguity so that the person using them gets to define it any way he wants to define it so that he can twist it however he wants to twist it. (laughs) Right. And here's why. Because those terms already within the history of the movement, which isn't depending on, you know, whether you consider it the Black Lives Matter or whatever, you know, the movement has a has a has a long history, but it changes on who's pushing it over time. And those terms have all changed. They just keep evolving. Mm. Right. And you can see this throughout history and of the movement over the last 30 years. And so it it. And it changes literally by the conversation. I just had this the other the other day, and somebody was talking to me about this, and I asked them because I've learned now you have to. So what do you mean by that? So systemic racism. So what do you mean? Right? And then you ask them to define it, and you go, okay, that's helpful. But do you understand what you just said and how you just defined it is not how Robin D'Angelo or Kimberly Crenshaw or um, – James Cone or whoever, right, who is driving these systems, who are the the uh, academic scholars who are setting the benchmark. That's not how they define it. And then the individual's like, oh, I know, but that's what it means. No. And it, it, so, so that's my, crazy. Yeah, so my point is in all the conversations that are sp- spiraling, everybody has their own definition of racism, like you asked somebody, what's racism? Well, it's prejudice. Okay. Next person, well, it's prejudice with power. Okay. It's prejudice with power in white people. Like it just, <laughs> so that's how it goes. Yeah. And, and then it's, it was to the point where, and well, now it is. And this is something to, that I have been made aware of that as a black person, you're not racist. There's no way that you can be racist because of the systematic yeah. racism yeah. and to be honest, systematic racism is defined differently now yes. versus years ago when Jim yes. Crow laws exactly. were were in effect. And it's like, oh, well, that was systematic racism because yeah. you had all these laws. But OK, so they're, they're not around now. So give me exactly what systematic racism is. It's it's completely and I get what you're saying. It's 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 completely impossible to uh, to define them because they aren't meant to be defined. It it just constantly evolves. It constantly yeah. changes. The argument keeps moving, and it's it's like a moving target, which is part of that's part of the design, so that you can't nail it down. But the other side of it is because built into critical theory, which is really the heart of the issue with all of this, that's the underlining. Uh, issue is critical theory Mm -hmm. Um, and built into that is now is the inability or should I say the lack of of um, the lack of accessibility to critique it you can't critique it 
you can't speak against it. You can't objectively uh, criticize it. You can't evaluate it. You can't take objective truth and say, but this is empirically, objectively, undeniably true, and then hold it up to what critical theory says and say, see, that's a contradiction. And Mm. a critical theorist or anybody in that camp will turn around and say, no, no, you haven't read enough. You don't understand the terms. You No, you're not understanding it correctly. No, no, that's not what we mean because you can't criticize. And then eventually it comes down. Well, that's that's racism because you've you've denied what we're saying is true, even though you've proven empirically, objectively, undeniably that what we're saying is false. But now that you're criticizing us, you're just proving you're a racist. So, again, yeah, you can define the terms and people can understand them, but it does no good because you can't criticize them. You know what all this is, right? It's a distraction. You, you can use that term. My term is, this is exhausting. It's a joke. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting a, it's to an, even think through it. It's an utter joke that the church and Christians have been so deceived by this disaster. It blows my mind because it's, it's logically nonsense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even logically make sense. It's like two plus two equals 3,000. You would look at that and go, are you kidding me? It's not even close. That's what this is like. And yet everybody's up in arms and the whole society is falling apart uh, really because of it. And and that's where I say it's satanic. But even saying that, that two plus two equals 3,000, they are actually trying to make people believe that. Oh, of course. And then to redefine not just two plus two equals three thousand, but also redefine what math is. Oh no, of course, everything. <laughs> and then if you don't believe that, yeah. One, one. I I heard this, and this kind of went out of the news. Math is oppressive. This was actually in Seattle. They were saying yeah. that math was oppressive. Yeah. And that if you don't believe that, then you are inherently racist, exactly. and you don't have a seat at the table to even have a conversation about it. So there's here's another term that's part of the the mantra. It's called radical subjectivity, and that's part of the movement. Radical subjectivity to where nothing is objective, nothing is absolute. Everything is radically subjective where it's anything you want it to be. And again, you can't converse. You can't you can't converse with someone who holds to such an illogical, irrational thought process. You just can't even talk to them. You can't uh, you can't have a constructive conversation with anybody who has terms that can't be defined or terms that that are so uh, elusive and ambiguous that no one knows what they mean. And when you do figure out what they mean, they make absolutely no sense, like Mm -hmm. in intersectionality. And you're just like, this is ridiculous. But that's why I say it's a distraction. It's just like, yeah, this is nonsense. We just move on. Let let these people spin their propaganda and the church. Let's just preach the word. Let's disciple. Let's love one another. Let's know enough about this disaster so that we can spot it because it's going to be invading every a- avenue of society. But let's not let's not let's not waste too much time dealing with it because honestly, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. Yeah. Now, and again, that's not saying that racism isn't real, and I don't even like that term because it's not even a biblical real term, but discrimination, partiality, injustice, all of that is real. We hate it. We we fight against it. We we decry and uh, seek to uh, 
obliterate it everywhere we see it, knowing full well that it comes from the heart of man, hatred, and it won't be completely gone until we're in heaven, but that doesn't deny that we try to uh, call it out whenever we see it. So, I mean, again, and again, even saying that when I say it, because I say it every time because you have to say it, it's almost a joke. It's like, do I have to even say that? Mm-hmm. Like, would I even be a Christian if I thought anything other than that? Like, again, that's where it's, like, so ludicrous. It's like, of course we hate racism. Of course we fight against it. Of course we stand up. Like, if anybody ever came to this church and I even had an inkling that they were racist, I would be on that like that. Mm-hmm. Just as if I thought they were a pedophile or an adulterer or a thief mm-hmm. or any, anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not, I'm not playing with that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on it, right? Yeah. So, again, it's like this is a false argument. Like, I don't know any pastor that wouldn't. Now, I know there are churches who don't deal with sin. That's another issue. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with any sin, right. racism or anything. They just let it go. But sound churches, of course they're dealing with sin, mm-hmm. right? And so... Again, it's 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 a mute point. It's it's nonsense. Yeah, it's a distraction. The uh, I think that we have to just discuss it uh, in another podcast because this one uh, I'm already yeah I'm already got I already have to split this one up. There you go. It, I'm helping you out. Man. And here's the fun part about it is like there's so much more that we have to talk about. At this point, I'm just like, well, no, we. We just need to stop talking so that we can, you know, just have another time to talk about more. Yeah. Because we have, you know, we, we've talked a lot. But let me ask you this. Go ahead. Go ahead. As a, as a, uh, a growing brother in Christ and a, a faithful member of a local church who is having impact on everybody around you and your family is growing and it's awesome to watch. I mean, wasn't it refreshing to get back to Mark today to not have all this other stuff and deal and like unearth that. And like, I mean, you have to listen to this. You have to be inundated with it to not come to church and have to just listen to that nonsense again. I just, I was like, praise the Lord. Let's just, let's, I just, I just want to hear the word. I just want to open the word and and let it out and see the glory of Christ. And so, anyway, I just all right. I'll answer that question. Here's here's how I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer that question from a point of uh, of of where I am spiritually. I guess. Yeah. I really feel as if one. I don't care where somebody preaches from, uh, it, as long as it is is it is true to the text, yeah. I'll listen. I like it. I yeah. love theology. I love uh, the scriptures. I love doctrine. I love all of that stuff. And the more and more that I grow, the more and more I'm just being drawn to it like a fly to a uh, a light. Like I am just like on it. I honestly do not think that there is enough that can be said about the um, about this whole you know debacle of yeah. you know the critical race theory all this stuff. Like I do think that the scriptures are very clear on how they are, and I honestly would have been okay if you would have. <laughs> 
found going. some more in First keep, Peter five. Oh, I could keep. Going. I could have kept on going because 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 to me it's like it just it's the scripture to me is just refreshing, and the more that I learn about it, the more I realize that I don't know. Yeah. A, you know, I don't know as much as I want to know. Sure. Like I'm like, yeah, you know, give me more, give me more, give me more. I I, I could have, I could, you could have done a different spin on it and just came come from another angle. And there is literally more that could be said about it. But here's, but here, let me tell you the pastoral reality and why I I love Bible exposition mm-hmm. and why I'm not comfortable when I get outside of it though I do it and here lately having to do thematic topical stuff more than I care to Bible exposition is so helpful because like what we just went through is like, uh, it's like eating fast food. We had six, seven weeks of fast food, Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we eaten in first Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, which was a blessing for me, I know. And so many others. And then I was dealing with the black lives and the, and the social justice and critical race theory as application as we went through it, and we learned a lot. But that's not a healthy diet. Like, when you do Bible exposition, and you've said it on this podcast, it's meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. It's veggies. It's it's sustaining, mm-hmm. right? And that's where Bible exposition provides balance for the church and balance for your life because God so ordained the inspired text that as you work through it verse by verse, you get all that you need mm-hmm. and you're able to deal with, you know, these, some of these issues, even without pulling out of it and dealing with it. And, uh, but, uh, when you start focusing on one thing for too long, it becomes unbalanced and it becomes unhelpful. And so you try to wrestle with how long do we stay on something that's a, that's a cultural issue. And um, I mean, you've been around me long enough. I don't deal with many of these things. I don't do that unless it's a big deal. Like when we went to the COVID thing, cause that was unprecedented and we're doing virtual church, which is no church. And so you got to deal with it. And now with this, you got to deal with it. But normally I don't, I don't step out of the text very much. It's just like, we're plodding through, right? Because, uh, I have seen over and over again, even in church history, and I've watched Calvin, watched Luther, watched these guys, and it's like all that they dealt with. And they, I remember when when they kicked Calvin, when they kicked John Calvin out of out of Geneva, and he was gone for a couple years. He went to France, and and then eventually they allowed him back in. I think he was in Isaiah, and he literally, right, literally where he his his last sermon, I forget what it was, like Isaiah fifty one, and then when he came back years later. His sermon, Isaiah 52. Like, he didn't even, he didn't mm-hmm. even, like, he just picked up right where he left off. And mm-hmm. there's there's something comforting about that mm-hmm. and uh, helpful for the people because it's easy, especially with a topic like this, to get distracted, to think, I got to learn more about this. No, you don't. You got to learn more about Christ. You got to learn more about sound doctrine. You got to learn more about the Word of God, the grace of God. Focus on that, and you'll be able to answer any question, any issue you need to answer. Oh, yeah, you may not understand definitions. You may not understand terms. You may not understand all the nuances. Matter of fact, I guarantee you won't because they're all going to change. But if you understand the truth, you'll not only be protected, which is the primary thing, you'll be strong in standing against it. 
And that is what we need. So you need enough from the pulpit to deal with it, to say, hey, this is bad, stay away from it, or this is good, embrace it, or this is be careful, whatever. Pastors need to be wise enough to do that. But uh, sometimes you got to be careful you you don't overshoot. And that's mm-hmm. not a, it's hard for pastors to pick that out. What is the what is the right? Is mm-hmm. that too much? Is it not enough? But one thing you won't go wrong on is just preaching the word, mm-hmm. preaching the word. So yeah, yeah. well, I, I I completely agree with that, and I will add to that this thing, this statement that when it comes down to that, I am completely okay with the fact that obviously you went back to Mark because you know I was like I kind of I definitely missed it yeah I think for me when you kind of ended with uh first Peter 5 I felt like there could have been more said in the scriptures not necessarily pertaining to the whole you know uh BLM movement but more of like what Peter was saying there mm-hmm. as a guy that is uh, as an apostle in prison writing to a people under the you know Christian burning Nero you know like I think more than anything it was it was definitely an encouragement to proceed as you know as a good soldier you know mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of my angle you know mm-hmm. of course there's always you know, and even today you kind of like alluded to, you know, the protests and everything because it is in the scripture and like literally wherever you go, you're able to find something. It's going to come out. Yeah. It's, it's just there. So I think for me, it was just really encouraging for you to be in first Peter more than anything. Oh yeah. Well, first Peter is a great book. We we dealt with what, uh, about, eight verses that yeah. was all we did because, like when because we did this in uh, bible study and the elders uh well marty was one of the elders that yeah. you know just kind of went through and yep. talked about first peter so yep. he he actually took time out uh one of the sunday school sessions to go through nero and to like kind of like focus in on nero and yep. his just horrible life and how he lived. And I'm yep. like, man, that's good. So that really like got me into like, Oh man, I want to, I want to learn more about this. So yeah, I, I, I really was enjoying the fact that it was very encouraging for me as you know, what I'm, what we all deal with on a daily basis, just living as a Christian in the world. It was good to to kind of go back to Mark and especially those last verses in chapter six to talk about. And as a matter of fact, thank you. I have a question about uh, that that I formulated from uh, today. Um, But it was good because what it did was it pointed me back to Christ instead of like. I can think through something that was in the world. No, it's like, nope, you need to be focusing on Christ because that's really all that matters. He's the answer. Yeah, he's the answer. And, you know, one of the things that I wrote down is Christ was persistent. Yeah. And and Christ was, you know, he he did these things and it wasn't necessarily about his, uh, his, his, his clothing. Yes. And as you were talking, I was in my brain, I was playing back the video of Benny Hinn just yes. waving his coat everywhere. Yep. And I, I thought about that too, actually. That's why I wrote it. And I was like, I was like, I hope he says it cause that'd be yep. so good. But, but it, it was like, it was like, you know, that 
it's, it's, it was like, even if he didn't have those particular clothes on, his power just went past all of that. Yeah. You know, he didn't have to. Like, what was the the story of the, uh, uh, the story of the, it was a, I think it was a, the the soldier his daughter yeah. died Jairus Jairus yeah. yeah um was it that one or was it another little girl that was healed just because yeah. you know yeah. you know the centurion like, servant that's what it was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when he when he told him yeah go home your servant's healed yeah he didn't even show up right and and yeah. I'm like it's amazing that and that that points to not his his clothing or yeah. his or his actual touch wasn't it it's his it will. was just his power his will yeah. whenever he wants to do it he does it yeah so this is more of uh I think this was more of a uh, a question that was well i i love first peter yeah i just and in the uncompromising church i think i did <clears throat> i want to say what six or seven sermons out of first peter two mm-hmm. and now we did what six or seven sermons out of first peter five so mm-hmm. if i keep chipping away on these yeah on these different sermons <laughs> We're gonna have for, but yeah. anyway, so I'm with you. I love it. I love it. So that's why you find you find me going back there, right? A lot. And uh, poor Neil, you know, Elder. That's his book that he's preaching through when yeah. he gets to preach, and so he cracks up when I'm like, Pastor, what are you gonna preach? I'm gonna do First Peter. He's like, Man, he could just get up and just play yeah. pe- pieces. Of <laughs> well, you know, you've heard this before, but yeah. you know, it's it's good to hear it again. But this is one thing. Is I think this was this is a good way to kind of end the podcast because I was I was like laughing when I wrote this question. <laughs> so uh, the the point that you were making is that uh, uh, all power is like the the power, which is the last one in verse fifty six. Every person that touched him was made well, and uh, I'll read Mark chapter six verse uh, fifty six, and wherever he came. Uh, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many touched it, were made well. The first thing that I saw, um, I was I was waiting for you to make this point, but um, uh, you 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 said a lot about this that the sick were laid in the marketplace. I would yeah. imagine that a lot of those were leprous people. And that they were actually brought to the marketplace, which would have been the worst thing that could happen because they were unclean. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with them being laid in the marketplace and Christ just going through and healing them was a, a, a big thing. Yeah. But then the first thing that popped into my head, unfortunately, was the uh, the, the the theologian. And, I, and no, he's not a theologian. He's 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 he, he doesn't speak theology. But I remember hearing Bill Johnson oh my. say that, uh, you know, it is God's will for people to be healed. Yeah. Always God's will the for people to be healed. The false teacher, Bill Johnson. Teacher, Bill Johnson. Yeah. And, and that popped into my head that maybe some people will think that that is the case, that it's always the thing. And I think back to a forgotten a forgotten situation now and i think this did happen in 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 2020 amongst all the other crazy things that happened that that little that that precious little girl olive died yeah and it it might have been last year the end of last year but yeah this precious little girl olive dies and all this stuff and they have these these series of yeah, it had to have been last year because you know they were actually worshiping uh they well they were they were in church yeah. yeah So it was, it was he. 
reiterated the fact that everybody should be healed. It's God's will for them to be healed. Yeah. And little Olive never came back to life. No. So I, I want you to kind of make that distinction because yep. in this, everybody was made well. Yeah. Everybody that touched him. Everybody that touched him was made well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that might be you starting to already make that distinction. So yeah. I, I'm going to step out of the way. Yeah. So, uh, one thing's for sure, I think it's understanding the purpose of, of Christ's healing, which, again, part of it is is proving that he is the Messiah because that was prophesied that when he came, right, these mm-hmm. miracles would come and he would he would uh, set captives free and all these things would happen, of course, speaking theologically more about what would happen from sin, but even dealing with some of the healing and stuff that was clearly uh, prophesied and comes up in Isaiah uh, multiple times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so part of what's happening there is he's demonstrating, see, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the chosen one. Like I said today, he does what no one else can do. He heals what no one else ever could, right? He walks where no one else could. Again, it's all to show, to validate, to verify, I am who I claim to be. Now, at the same time, though, right? Again, this is sometimes in our exegetical minds, we want to pinpoint everything and oftentimes there's not a pinpoint is more of a, a there's more of a swath of truth when it comes to why Christ does what he does there's more than one reason right mm-hmm. so yeah so he heals to verify and to validate that his he is who he claims to be and his message <clears throat> is true um i mean let's just take one example take the man born blind right and uh, the disciples say who sinned uh, he or his parents to where he was born this mm-hmm. way or, or that he has this blindness and mm-hmm. Jesus tells him what it has nothing to do with him or his parents. He was born this way so that at this moment when I'm walking by, my glory might be displayed. Mm. Right. I mean, it's just like, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about Christ. Like I preached today, displaying his glory that he is like no other. So, um, yet at the same time in the swath of truth that, often is surrounding Christ. It's also not only displaying his glory, but also his compassion, Mm -hmm. that he's a compassionate, as it says in Hebrews 4, a sympathetic uh, high priest Mm -hmm. who resonates with our weaknesses, who cares about our suffering. And he shows that not only in his suffering, but also in how he cared for those who suffered. All these people that I said today, he's reaching out and making himself accessible to the downtrodden, to Mm -hmm. the beaten down, to the abused, to the weak, to the blind, to the lame. All the ones that the religious leaders of that day would never come near, right? Good Samaritan, they go on the other side of the road. Christ, he goes on near them. He makes himself accessible. So so it was also to show that, um, primarily to validate his nature, his message, and uh, and was clearly part of his mission uh, to show the people that the Messiah had come, um, and he was compassionate and tender and different. Yet, at the same time, you cannot deny it. He didn't heal everybody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his will, right? He didn't heal everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, clearly, I mean, the text says that. Even Jesus says that, right? <clears throat> the poor you always have with you. Mm-hmm. The sick you're always going to have with you. But I'm, I'm not going to be here very long. And so... Um, yeah, so, but when he desired, which he did, especially in Galilee more than any other area, when he desired to, uh, again, like I said, have his ministry become popular, meaning to spread the reputation that the Messiah has come, then he healed. He healed many. 
All that came to him and touched him, he healed. And he went from town to town healing. I mean, we don't even know how many he healed, right? And so, um, again, because he was here and that was his will and that was his desire and that was what the Father sent him to do. But he did not heal everybody. And uh, so, again, to say that is God's will um, contradicts not only what we see in the in the life of Christ, but it also contradicts what we see in the apostles that follow, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they had a healing ministry to, again, same purpose, to demonstrate that their message was true, to validate their claim as apostles. That's primarily why they did what they did when it came to healing. And that's why that has stopped, because their message is the foundation of the church. Ephesians 2.20, there is no other foundation. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone laid it. The apostles built on it. We don't build on it, meaning we don't bring revelation. It's done. Therefore, we have no need for healing to validate. Mm -hmm. God himself heals whenever he chooses, and he still does, and he does that. But not through a healer, but through uh, through the sovereign grace that he gives whenever he wants to give that. And uh, so... Um, but when it comes to um, the scriptures throughout the history of scripture in the New Testament from Acts forward, I mean, you see the reality of sickness and sickness continuing. Even uh, people that served with the Apostle Paul, Epaphroditus almost died, you know, and I mean, that reality, what is it in Philippians? And he's writing to them and saying, yeah, he almost lost his life. And Paul says, that would have been hard for me. That would have been, you know, more than I could bear. So I'm sending him back to you. I mean, Wait a minute, Paul healed people in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't he heal them then, mm-hmm. right? And no, he, Paul had sickness as well, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then and, and he tells Timothy, right, take a little wine for your stomach's mm-hmm. sake. You got some stomach issues. You, you got a tapeworm. You got something going on there, brother. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul doesn't say, hey, man, come over here. Let me touch you, and we'll deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you see you see that going on. And of course, there's others and numerous other examples where people were sick in Paul's presence and he and he didn't heal them. Right. And uh, so, again, you see that reality waning and that this that reality that that is not God's will for everybody to be healed because the Bible says so. Again, suffering, trials pain. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, I mean, 2 Timothy uh, 2, 13, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 13. I mean, everybody wants to live godly in this life will suffer, mm-hmm. right? And James chapter 1, count it all joy, brother, when you're healed? No. When trials come into your life. Yeah. I mean, again, Romans 5, we rejoice in our suffering, mm-hmm. right? Or ro- we rejoice in our trials. Romans 8, we count these sufferings, right? Not compared to the glory that's going to come. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, right? I do not fix my eyes on these temporary transient suffering, but on the eternal glory that's coming. And so, yeah, I mean, and then 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says what? Um, That we are able now to serve others and give hope and peace because of the hope that we have received in our suffering, we can now help others in their suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Paul doesn't say, now we can heal you and you can go heal others so that they know you've gotten through it by the grace of God. Now God is sending you to take those lessons that you have learned by his grace that point to the sufficiency of Christ and go help others also. Yeah. That's part of why you suffer is mm-hmm. to minister better to others. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, the Bible's clear about that. Yeah. I, thank you. That was, that was really good. I, 
I thought about that and I was like, you know what? But I remember back when uh, I, I want to say it was Mark chapter two. Yeah. When he was in the city and they're like, hey, Jesus, there's a bunch of people out here waiting. And he left. And he left. They all brought their sick and he mm-hmm. said, and, and the, the apostles, that's when he went off to pray. Yeah. After he had healed all night long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then he went, he got up early in the morning. He goes off to pray. And um, it's actually at the end of chapter one. And, um, and then he, they come to him and like, great, where are you? Where are you? Oh, we found you. Everybody's ready. They got more people to be healed. And right. he says, what? Let's go to other towns. Yeah. He literally abandons them. Mm-hmm. He goes away from them. He didn't heal everybody because mm-hmm. that was not his mission. Yeah. And what does he say? Because I must preach. Mm-hmm. That's my mission, yeah. to preach the gospel. So, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the text is clear. Scripture is clear. And false teachers continue to spread their lies and prey on the emotions of people. And it's sad, but... Yeah. Speaking of false teachers, I don't know if you saw the clip, but you know we don't need to worry about racism anymore. Uh oh. They, uh, Bill Johnson, a couple of other people, they actually uh, took a, a staff. You ever seen this? No. They had a staff, and all of them touched the staff, and they said, "All right, raise it up and slam it on the ground." And it was like, "You shall not pass." You didn't see that? Wait a minute. I thought that was Lord of the Rings or Hobbit or something. Well, that's the thing. That is the literally the verbiage that they used. And they said, racism, you shall not pass. And that was like them getting rid of racism. You haven't seen that clip? No. You have better things to do with your life, I guess. I, 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 I stay away from that garbage, man. But, it was circulating. But again, it's, it's nonsense. It's, it's complete nonsense. And I, I saw it and I was like, I can't. Who believes that? Who believes? Those who are blinded. Second, yeah, Second Corinthians four four. It has to be. Yep, it has to be. So yeah, yeah. But I, I appreciate you, man. You uh, you you really blessed me. You, you have me thinking about a lot of things. I probably also need to get another mask because the ones that I have are just completely uncomfortable. So I need to get something that doesn't hit me behind the ears because that oh man that 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 tears me up. So yeah, maybe those, I, need to get I, I, I want to get one of those ones that kind of you wear like a little scarf and you pull yeah, it up. And, uh, Grant had one yeah, of those. Yeah. yeah, I've been seeing a bunch of people wear those. I, I feel like you look more like a bank robber when you wear those. So I thought, why not go for it? It's yeah. like, hey, if I'm gonna wear a mask, why not go all in? And it's like, all right, I'll embrace the 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 bank robber look. Yeah, just you know? just go ahead and just do it. Just you know? just, just embrace it. You yeah, know? while 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 we can. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> me and the me and the family, I, I was I was in I was just loving life last night because you know all of my children were home. Like the whole family That's was home. A blessing. And, uh, you know, we were all sitting around eating dinner <laughs> and I just started reading and I read, I, I was like, well, let me go to the old Testament a little bit. So I read, uh, the book of judges oh, um, man. and I was like, yeah, I just wanted like a good story, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to the part where the, uh, they, uh, Judah captured, oh, Judah captured the, the king and they cut off his, uh, yeah. big toes and thumbs. Yep. And then it told about how that king had actually cut off the big toes yes. and thumbs of some other kings, and I'm like, this was, this was weird. Yeah, not a good story to eat or to right. read while you're eating dinner. Right. So uh, we eat tacos too, which, is, which makes it even fun. You need your thumbs to eat tacos. But after that, we're like, all right, let's do something. So we actually watched the Princess Bride. Oh yeah. And one of the lines we watched, we watched that not long ago. One of the lines literally in the movie says everyone will be wearing masks in the future. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> yep, it does. Wow. Yep. 
That is crazy. So yeah, yeah that, that was. A you fun know, one. I read something the other day that I thought was fascinating. Um, what was? Oh, it was um, from C.S. Lewis's uh, book, which I'm not a big C.S. Lewis fan, but some of his some of his uh, writings uh, at times are have a has have just an interesting connection uh, to truth, and uh, and uh, it was from his book. Uh, screw tape letters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's, it's. A, I mean, it's not that helpful of a book. It's, it's fictional and it's it's about demons and not a whole lot of truth in there. There's a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, literature license he took. But anyway, um, but it is interesting. There's a section in there where Uncle Screwtape, who's the advanced demon, mm-hmm. who's writing to I think it's his nephew. <clears throat> Uh, who's a young up-and-coming demon, and he's training him how to essentially deceive and to tempt and to enslave uh, Christians, so mm-hmm. to speak, and attack them. And there's a there's a section in there where he writes and he says, um, and a very effective method is to get them very enamored with politics and social change. Mm. And he and he goes on for like a paragraph talking about how this will get them totally distracted from the work that they have been called to do. And they'll be busy about changing society and about politics. And they'll be, they'll, they'll be busy doing that. And you will have achieved your goal of distracting them and taking them away. And I thought, wow, that's uh that's pretty much right mm, where we are. And right on. Yeah. And I just thought that that's pretty fascinating. So I, yeah, it just, there's times in which, you know, different books are written and like that statement in that movie where you're just like, yeah, how true that is now. Mm-hmm. They had no idea then, but here, here we are. And it's like, yeah, that is, that is spot on. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Well, thank you all for tuning into the truth talks podcast. Uh, this has been, uh, the this is the last of the of the series because you're gonna get. I'm probably gonna split this one up <laughs> to like four uh, <laughs> podcasts. And uh, like like I always say, if you all have any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, email us at the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail dot com. And also, Matt, you don't know this. Uh-oh. We actually have a, uh, a a voicemail that you can leave us a voicemail, so Watch we can out. hear your voice. You can call. And it's six one two eight eight truth. Ooh, look yeah. at that, man! Six one two eight eight truth. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. that none of that would happen if it was left up to me. Oh, I I just used Google. That's all it was. Yeah, it's just a Google Voice. Yeah, you know? I couldn't even use that though. So you're, <laughs> you're so you're so gifted, man. <laughs> so yeah, you all can call in and leave us a voicemail with any questions that you have. Uh, please keep it short and sweet. Uh, so that you know and I may please understand that I may use your actual voice on there so you can say it's anonymous uh, however you'd like to do it but feel free to uh, call in so and, just any any conundrums yeah, snarks or yeah. what what is what is Todd Friel say yeah I didn't want to repeat what he says I'm just trying to say it my way <laughs> call in y'all no, that's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would say it but yeah uh, you know feel free to do that and um We will see you on uh, the next series of podcasts. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I got an exercise for you then. We're at the end of the podcast now. (laughs) So now I need you to give me. uh, I was going to do that. I was going to ask you. You, you, it's it, it, we're at the end of we're at the end we're at three minutes now buddy 
We always end the podcast with sharing the gospel because we want the gospel to go out all the time here. And we want people to be reminded of it and to rejoice in it. And so, buddy, with the time remains, two minutes and 46 seconds, share the gospel with us. All right. So here's the gospel. Uh, We start off with a holy God, uh, a God that is holy, who is worthy of uh, all the praise uh, all the time. And uh, that God uh, cannot be or cannot be near sin, and he cannot accept sin. Um, But then there's man. Man is sinful. Uh, From Genesis 3 on, we see that. Uh, He has rejected God uh, and continues to reject God in many ways. And by rejecting God, uh, he cannot uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And by giving his only begotten son uh, in in the the Godhead of Jesus Christ, giving him as the perfect sacrifice, fulfilling the law completely. And by fulfilling the law completely, uh, one, uh, his shedding of blood covers our sins, but then him completing, completely fulfilling the law covers our, our, our unrighteousness as we walk. Uh, now, with that, uh, the gospel being presented that God loved us, uh, he shed his blood for us, lived a righteous life for us, the next thing is a response. What are we to do? Uh, with the gospel that is presented to us, um, you have two options. You can either accept it or you can reject it. And and how do you accept it? Oh, you accept it by repenting and believing. Uh, there is no sinner's prayer. Uh, you just accept uh, what Jesus did on the cross and believe uh, that you know what that is, and then you walk in that after after that. And, how do you uh, accept it? What does that what does that what does that mean? Uh, well, Romans, uh, actually, let's do, yeah, let's do Ephesians, uh, uh, two, uh, eight, by grace, you have been saved through faith that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man can boast. So by placing your faith in Christ, that is accepting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Romans 10, nine and 10 says the same thing. Yeah. That's good. Buddy, it's been a joy to have you, have you as a guest today on the, (laughs) on the Truth Talks podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where we <laughs> where we uh, delight in the word that we might grow, or we delight in the truth that we might walk in the word. You got it backwards, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Delight yeah, the word that yeah. we might walk in the truth. That's it. That's, that's why. Fine. That's why you're the host, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a joy to be with you guys today, and to. Uh, throw buddy this curveball it's been a lot of fun yeah and if you like the podcast please subscribe thank you all for tuning in take care we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in today please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment if you have a question please send them to the truth talks podcast at gmail.com Visit our Instagram and Twitter at The Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.